along with me. Jeremiah 29.10 For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. There's a lot in this passage, and let's get right to it. It is a popular passage, and a lot of people want to take it, parts of it, and dissect it, and filter it out, but I'm going to give you a little further information about that 11th verse and what the words mean. There are so many different translations of Scripture out there, and in this particular passage, there's about as many translations as there are um, the different versions out there worded differently. And the interesting thing is, if you check the original text and compare it to each of the translations, each one has it right. Yet there's about 20 different ways it's said and they're all correct, so how can that be? It's because there's no one accurate way to capture the depth of this verse in a single translation. You have to spend a little time with it, understanding the intent and the writing and all that. And I share this with you because in that where it says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. What God is talking about here to us is His purpose for us. He has an idea in mind, a finished product, which is the desired end is what one translation says. It doesn't mean that you're over and done, but there's a particular thing God has in mind that He's working out. And the reason a lot of people call this the plans or thoughts, some people say, I know the plans, I think, says one translation, is because there are plans that God has in place. When we look next week at how those plans can change, we'll understand the circumstances of how God's plans for us can change. But today we're going to focus on what that first few words in this verse says to us and what it has to do with the rest of the passage. And it says, therefore, I know. I know, says the Lord. Now, in Isaiah we read that God has thoughts higher than our thoughts and ways higher than our ways, right? Familiar with that verse and passage that he thinks better than we do. He knows more. He sees more. He's aware of more. So he knows his thoughts. He knows. We don't. It never says, for you know the thoughts I have. We cannot know all of God's thoughts. There is no way even the universe could contain the sum of them. 
There is not a possibility of that. Because God is so vast that we can't fathom all He is. I heard one time a sermon uh, that a pastor was saying that the angels in heaven bow down before God and then they raise up and say, Glory! And every time they raise up, they see an attribute of God that they've never seen before. And they bow down and raise up every few seconds or so and see another attribute. And at the start of the beginning of eternity will continue to the end of eternity and they'll see something new every time they look up about God. That's incredible. I can't fathom that. I can't even think of that. I look in the mirror and I think, Oh, Lordy, not old glory. <laughs> you all the same way maybe. But I will tell you this, that God has plans. That word thought, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, uh, or it's in a correct way of saying it, is I know the, the planned thoughts, or the thoughts that have created plans, or purposeful ideas for who you're supposed to be. God knows those things. We read in Psalm 139, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My inward parts were knitted together in my mother's womb. Long before the days had even a sum of them, He knew what He wanted from them. He had plans. God has those thoughts. Now listen, when we have a thought... And I, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I mean this in all respect, that we're kind of like Winnie the Pooh. Think, 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 think. Okay, I'm thinking I've got thoughts. When God has a thought, it becomes reality. It's an instantaneous thing. God doesn't have random thoughts float through His head and go, I wonder why I was thinking about that. His thoughts become what our life is. It isn't God's going to think about it and consider if it's a good idea or not. He just thinks that it's holy, pure, righteous, just, and, and awesome in all its ways, and it happens. So we, we start thinking, well, maybe God is thinking about what He wants to do with our life, and He's not really sure. It's not what it says. His thoughts are His plans. It's His purpose. It's His idea. It's His direction. It's our part in His kingdom. This is what it's saying. And God knows... Not he thinks he knows. Not he's sitting there going, hmm, I wonder. I used to be like that, uh, one of the three stooges, the curly-haired guy. I mean, the guy without hair called Curly. And he used to say, hmm, I'm thinking and nothing's happening. That used to be me for a long time. I'd think about something. I never could come up with an answer. God thinks it does. It just is. God speaks. This world exists. It's not a thought that he's thinking about. I wonder what kind of world I want to create. Wonder if it would be a good world. Wonder if all that. He sees all of it at once and it happens. It's His thoughts are creative. We are His best thought. You and I are God's best thought. That's amazing to me. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. You can explore everything else in the universe and I'm confident of this although I've never been and you'll never find anything more wonderfully engineered than the human being. It just works the way God intended. Our ecosystem, our world, it all just works the way it's supposed to and God knows it does because He set it in motion with a thought. A thought. And the beautiful thing about that is that when He had that thought He put it into motion. There was nothing resisting it. 
And so it came out good. Now God, with us, means resistance. Why? Because we don't know God knows. We're not sure. Even though we've been face to face in a close encounter here in worship and found Jesus Christ, we still have this thing inside of us that says, I know God knows, but I don't know. And so how am I supposed to know if I don't know and God does, how's He going to tell me? And I had that battle for about eh, 51 years. <laughs> Maybe a little longer. And I, I'm not much older than that, so a little longer than that. And then something began to happen in my life. Now, I didn't understand it. But I want to share with you the date. June 11 this year. June 11. And I I had a statement come out of my mouth that I had no idea where it came from, but I knew it was right. At that particular time in my life, I was kind of fed up at work and not doing my paperwork real well. Not proud of that, but still fact. And I went over to the office of Oak Rehab, which is where we give our paperwork to. And um, one of the Volk Rehab counselor said, well, I noticed you gave me the paperwork, which was due six days ago, but there's one of the guys missing. And I said, oh, yeah, I haven't got that one done yet. I'll get it as quick as I can. And she says, no worries. Don't really need it until the end of the month. But, you know, I just wondered if maybe uh, you had oversighted that. And I said, no, I just hadn't done it yet. And I said, and by the way, I'll never be late on my paperwork again. I'll get it all done. And I'll be early from here on out. And she said, oh, okay. And I said, I'm serious. She goes, well, how do you know? I said, well, there's a plan in place. (laughs) I don't know why I said that, because I didn't have one. (laughs) I didn't have a plan in place. I just knew I wanted it to happen. I wanted to be correct in my work procedures and make sure everything was done correctly. So I knew there had to be something out there that worked because other people were doing it correctly. So I said, there's a plan in place. She says, oh, okay, great. When I walked out of that office that day and back to where I, I work, I said, uh, uh, God, I don't have a plan. I need a plan. And that's when he said, I already got the plan. I know my plan. You don't know my plan. I know my plan. And I want to give it to you if you'll let me. And began to piece together plans for me for how to do my job more effectively. And all of a sudden, I was the one setting the example of timeliness, of professionalism, and people looking at me like, are you trying to show us up? And I'm going, no, I'm just following a plan. What plan is that? I don't know, it's God's. Kind of a strange statement, isn't it? I don't know the plan, but I'm following it. Does this make sense to you? How would you like this? Let's build a business. We're going to make a great big building. We're going to make stuff. People are going to want the stuff. We're going to sell it to people. Then we're going to sell more stuff. We're going to hire a bunch of people. We're going to make everybody happy. Well, what are you going to sell? I don't know. Where are you going to put the building? I don't know. How are you going to fund it? I don't know. There's a plan. What plan? I don't know. God's got the plan. Doesn't make sense, does it? Well, that's kind of what was going on with me. I said, God, I don't have a plan for this, but there's got to be one because you have plans for me. Your word says it. You have a purpose and a plan. 
and you've got me in a place, so you want me to succeed there, so you've got a plan for me there. You can trust God's plan for wherever you're at, that He will bring you to success in that, in the way He wants you to succeed. He's got a plan. You do not have to know the plan to follow it. That song, His Eyes on the Sparrow, says, Though by His path He leadeth but one step I may see, but His eyes on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. One path at a time. One step. One moment. We don't have to know. As a matter of fact, I think, if we knew it, we'd try to jump to the end result and mess it all up. There's some of us that like to get stuff done. So I know the end result. Let's do that and let's move on to something else. And God doesn't want that. God wants you in the journey. The plan consists of you being obedient and learning who He is on the journey. And that's what He's began to show me. And it was really weird in July on the 2nd when I handed all my paperwork in and then we had a meeting of all of us who normally turn our paperwork in which happened to be scheduled three days after the due date. And here's other folks handing their paperwork in and they're looking at me like, guess you're late again, huh? And uh, I said, no. I turned it in. Well, I didn't see you do it. You weren't here when I did. It was kind of funny because they said, you were early? I said, no, I was on time. I wasn't late. And everybody else went, Oh, look at this guy trying to show us up, doing it right. Well, as a Christian, shouldn't I do it right? Shouldn't I strive for excellence? Shouldn't I strive to please God in what I do and serve Him with all things? And isn't our Heavenly Father calling us to greater and greater, to be the best that we can be for Him and serve Him in excellence, not in mediocre? Isn't that His plan for us? To raise us up in Jesus Christ for greater things than what He did? Did Jesus say in John 14, greater works than I do, you will do? Well, how can we do that if we're not walking in His plan? And walking in excellence and in submission and humility and serving and desiring what God wants for us. God knows the plans. He knows. And the man who wrote this, Jeremiah, knew it too because he had prophesied over and over about God's work and saw it come to pass. And Jeremiah could with confidence write these words, God knows the plans. He knew God knew. He was a priest. I don't know if you know Jeremiah's history. He was a priestly lineage. And he was called to be a prophet. He was a prophet priest. The name Jeremiah is a lengthening form of Jah, which is short, if you will, for uh, Jehovah. So Jeremiah's name actually means every time he would hear it, God provides. He knew God provides. Maybe you don't know where that phrase Jehovah the provider or Jehovah Jireh comes from, but it came when Abraham was preparing to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. And he 
was ready to slay him and a ram was caught in the thicket and he sacrificed that rather than his son. And he called the place Jehovah Jireh. The place God provides. God is our provider is the name of that place. He knew. He knew God provided the ram and gave him his son back. Jeremiah knew the same thing for different reasons. He saw God work and bring forth His words to pass when all the false prophets around him were prophesying prosperity and goodness. And Jeremiah was the weeping prophet speaking the truth of God. God knows His thoughts. It's peace. He's not after you for evil. He's not here to harm you or destroy you. He may sometimes put things in your path that hurt a little bit, but He's not going to destroy you with it. And and the interesting thing is, is that God says, I will come and perform My good work toward you. Now this is in verse 10. I will visit and perform My good work toward you and cause you to return to this place. This is His plan. I will come to you and I will perform my work toward you. This is the same thing that God began doing here last month. He came to us. He began working a work here. Transformation work. We could not do this, but God knew it ahead of time. He knew this would happen. He was ready for this day. We had to get ready. I couldn't have come in here three years ago and started talking like this and everybody go, yeah, this is good. Let's do this. You'd have thought I was out of my mind. We weren't ready. I wasn't ready for that. God had to get me into a place during our revival where I could stand up and say, I'm a fool. I'm an idiot for Christ. I will know nothing but Him and Him crucified and everything I talk about is going to be Jesus. And it's kind of crazy because I work for a state-funded facility and I'm not supposed to be faith-based. Well, the place isn't, but I am. And it just so happens that God brought in my supervisor, who's a Christian and loves Jesus, and brought in a dear friend of mine, Keith Wood, who works now, and every time I go down the hall, people can hear Alan and Keith, sometimes myself, talking about Jesus, and then we go into one of the offices and we're talking loud. And other people come into the office and start saying, we need this here. We need this. Diane can witness to this. I pass out bulletins to people in my cubicle and around the work, and and I handed one to a lady a couple cubicles down, and she said, now she doesn't know you at all. Not even from here, she's from Wycliffe. I want to help with that Thanksgiving dinner. I want my children to serve God. I want them to get a little bit of humility (laughs) and serve God and serve the people at your Thanksgiving dinner. When can we come and what can we bring? I was going, are you serious? She goes, yeah. I said, well, let me get Diane on the phone. She'll tell you what to bring. And I called Diane and I said, Diane, I got someone here who needs to talk to you. Here's your name. Go ahead. And they had the conversation. And I'm going, wow. Do you know what the people at work call me? Anybody know? 
You might be surprised. You might not be. They don't call me Jonathan. They don't even call me John. They don't call me Mr. Altoff. They call me Rev. Rev. Hey, Rev. How's it going, Rev? Everybody calls me Rev. The lady in my cubicle, I try to give her a bulletin every week. She says, no way. I don't want that. I'm going through tough stuff. God's not helping me. I don't want that. A couple weeks ago, she said, hey, Rev, how's it going? I said, why are you calling me Rev? She said, because you're a preacher and, you know, I'm starting to respect you. You understand, God has a plan. I'm just telling out bulletins to people. Larry Joe said they're anointed. I don't know if they're anointed unless you pray over them, but I hand them out and I pray over them. And people are saying, what can we do to get involved? Because of that. And it isn't because I handed them out one time. I've been doing this for six months. Six months. Maybe longer. Every Friday morning, I go and fold them in our tri-folding machine, and I start walking around handing them out. You might think i got a lot of bulletins here, but no, i got a lot more. When I start out on Friday morning, I'm handing out at least ten at work every week. It's easy to do. But that's a plan. And I don't know what God's going to do with that, now do I? I just do it. And we have a lot of extra bulletins we can take home and hand out to people. And we don't know if God will do anything with them or not, but it's His plan. You don't have to know if it works. You just have to know that it's His plan. And it will come to pass. Here's the hard part about this passage. And this is the good thing, too. It says, first of all, I know the thoughts to give you hope and a future or a desired purposeful end that God will create as we walk with Him. And then, and then the next verse, verse 12, starts with this word, and then. When God shows you that He's real, that He loves you, that He has a plan for you, a purpose for your life. He says in verse 12, And that time, when you know this is true, you will call on me and you will pray to me. And I will listen. Uh, wait a minute, God. I thought you listened all the time. Yes, He does. But there comes a time when you trust and believe He's real that He's listening a little more intent because He knows you want to do something for Him. I don't know about you, but I know this. God's intent for us as believers is not to come in here and participate by sitting. He's trying to raise us up to serve. If you want to be a leader, you must serve. God has called us all to be priests and co-rulers with Christ. We are a royal priesthood, as we talked about last week. We are members of a chosen Generation, God has raised us up. He's chosen us for this. I like that. That means I don't have to say maybe He's going to use us. He is using us. But how's He using you? And so God has said that I'm raising you up to be leaders and leaders serve. So when we pray, we don't go, God, I want you to show me what you want me to do and I'll go do it. Don't have to do that. Just say, God, use me. I'm here. Any opportunity that's present, I'll take it. Even if I don't understand it. Even if I don't know why I'm doing it. It's not my plan that I'm following. It's yours. 
Now that's counterintuitive to how the world has taught us to think and believe. It doesn't work that way in modern world. You're supposed to know why you're doing what you're doing, what the purpose is. God has the purpose. It's His purpose we're doing it for. We're just learning to be obedient in little things so He can use us in bigger ones. And it says at that time, when you know that He cares for you, that He has a plan for your life, and you call Him and go pray to Him, you're not going to go, hey God, uh, I hope you can use me. You're going to say, you got a plan for me. What is it? I'll do it. Here I am. Send me. I don't know where I'm going, but go ahead and send me. That's like writing a blank check. How many of us would be willing to do that? Uh, as long as it's not over this amount, you can put whatever you want. It's not a blank check then, is it? That's not what God wants for us to be surrendered. He says, uh, whatever the amount is, I trust you, God. Whatever it is. I may not know what you're going to do with me, but I don't have to know. All I know is, you found me. You found me. But that 13th verse says, and God says, I will listen to you. And He says, and you will seek me. And you will find me. This is a promise. You will find me. A lot of us look for God. And the reason we don't find Him is because we get stuck in wondering if He's real or not. And wondering if He even can use us or not rather than seeking Him and knowing He can, He does, and He will. God has promised us here that He will use us for His purposes and is. That we are a transforming church transforming the region around us. Now I want to tell you a story. True story. The story now is about 14 hours old. Last night, I was invited to go to Wycliffe First Baptist Church to share a testimony for their Celebrate Recovery program. So I told my story. In the midst of that story, I felt prompted to share about a man named Jeff Bell. Jeff Bell was on Emmaus Walk 1, I think it was 115, a few years ago. Jeff Bell was on the top of the mountain on Emmaus Walk. Jeff Bell also had an addiction problem. He wound up in Lifeline Ministries twice. The most recent, a few months ago, and he quit after a certain number of days saying, I think I got this. This last week on Tuesday, Jeff Bell was found in a trailer and no longer alive. One of my friends from Celebrate and from Ministry Work found him. Last night I talked about that man. And I said, he said he understood that he was aware of God's love for him. And that he got it. He understood. I get it. I get it, he would say. The man whose trailer that he died in had called him on Saturday and said, I got this. I'm good. This is what we tell people when we own God. Do you understand? We never did. God has it. God has it. And God's got me. God's got me. I'm good. 
God, I got it. Is it going to do me a bit of good? That's my plans. I'm okay, he says. I'm okay by my plans. But to walk with God in humility is to say, God, where, wherever, whatever, whatever you want. When Jeff came in to celebrate a few months ago, I felt the Lord press on my heart to say something to him. I only said part of it. But I saw him and I walked up to him, he was a friend of mine. I hugged his neck and I said, I love you, brother, and God's counting on you. He goes, I know. Um, how often do we pass that off? Pray for you. Oh, I know. Love you, Dad, me too. So simple an answer, right? And when I shared that with him, I felt the Lord said to me, Jeff, Jeff, call me. I want to spend some time with you. I felt the Lord encouraging me to do that. I did not do that. There were other people who said over the last week they felt God do the same for them. People feeling guilty over His choices. Do you know why? Because the time to come to serve is when God offers it, not later. And God's raised us up to serve. Right now. Not tomorrow. We don't know how God is going to ask us to serve at any given moment. We just have to say, God, show me how to do it. I'll do it. I don't care what it is. I may sound like a fool, but as long as I'm doing it for you, it's good. I'm okay with that. I'll be a fool as long as it's for you. But I'm not going to be a fool for me anymore. And that's one of those things that Jeremiah is trying to say here. Is God has a plan for you. And when you seek God with all your heart, you're willing to be a fool for Him. You're willing to let it all go for Him to be pleased with you. And we sometimes um, look at these verses and we say, well, you know, you've got to find God by searching for Him with all your heart. And so to find God, you've got to start looking with all your heart. And we don't know what that means. But the, we missed the two verses before. It says, we've got to know God has a plan for our life. And God has a plan for us. Each one of us. For you, for you, for me. All of us are in a plan God has. And He spoke the plan into existence before you were born. It's already in motion. Do you think you had to know it the day you were born to follow it? You couldn't. That's why you need God. And the moment you realize God has been blessing you your whole life, you say, God, I trust you with tomorrow. In that moment, you begin to see that He does indeed know what He's doing. And in that moment, you say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I tried to do this myself and tried to tell you how it's supposed to be. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is the prayer that in verse 12. You will call and pray to me and I'll listen. God, I've been doing it my way. It's your plan, not my all you. It's all you. All yours. I'm all yours. I wave the white flag. I let go. I'll do what you want. Send me. I'm sorry I didn't trust you. And God says, I will listen to you. And you will find me when you seek with all your heart like that. Because you trust 
that he has your best interests at heart. And he does. He really does. And then he says this. And this is how I know these passages are found this way. And God says, I will be found by you. I am findable, says God. Oh, thank God it is. And he says, and I will bring you back from your captivity. Our captivity is our own self-centered, self-seeking behavior. He'll bring us out of that mess. It's the hardest mess to get anybody who struggles with anything to understand that they're in their own captivity and God is here to deliver them from it. Maybe you are one of them this morning. He says, I will gather you from all nations, from all the places I've driven you. And I tell you that God allows your own captivity to drive you away from where you belong. Y'all don't know all my story, but in 2000, I wound up in North Carolina. I was homeless for a while. God let me be driven there. Literally, in a vehicle. (laughs) But I was driven there by my own captivity. Truly was. And God says, I will gather you from those places and I will bring you to the place from that place where you belong from which you were carried away captive. God will bring you home. I don't know if you know what home is. But home is where God is. Home is where you know He's real. Home is where you know He's using you for His purposes. There's no place literally like that home. Last Sunday, Ginger testified and she found home that last week. There's no place like it. Carolyn found it during the revival. We each find it when God shows up as real. It's His plan for you to know He's real. That He cares for you. I could go into the depth and the extent of all that, but I'll just say this. That when God spun this whole universe in motion, It was circulating around the cross of Christ. He knew it would happen already. He had plans in place. When this universe spun in motion thousands of years before Christ even walked this planet. He had plans, didn't He? And if He had plans, He could put all that in place and make that perfectly happen at the right time in history where no other time it could happen then do you think, even reasonably, that He could do the same for you? Jeremiah knew God could do it for you. He knew because God did it for him. He saw Him do it for Israel and Babylon. He knew it. He didn't question it. The hardest part about walking with Jesus Christ is when you start to question it. And God says you can know that I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know that they're real. 
to question and fight against it like the Apostle Paul did on the road to Damascus. And how hard it is for you to kick against what God's trying to do in your life. Kick against the goats, that's what that means. How hard it is to fight God's plan. It doesn't work. God's going to keep saying, I've already put it in motion, you're going to get there. Why not now? Why not today? God is using a lot of people in this church already. He's taking it through Ginger to Paducah. He's taking it through Aaron Crenshaw from the revival where it started to Metropolis in last night. I don't have to tell you this. I was just like, I'm, I'm just shocked. I was walking out the door last night. I said I had something to tell you. It wasn't that I told them about Jeff Bell. There's a man at the back of the room. Most people there come because they have to. And he stood up as I was walking and he said, i got to talk to you. God told me to talk to you. I'm going, hey, someone's listening to God. This is cool. I wonder what he's going to say. Find you or whatever. He said, God told me I connected with you and I agreed. And I said, well, what are you saying? He said, I need you to anoint me. I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for God's purpose in my life. And I said, whoa, what's your name? <laughs> and he said, my name is Jesse. And something inside me jumped like for joy. And all of a sudden I saw Jesse in a whole new light. Just like I saw Jesse transform in front of me. And I said, Jesse, you're right. He told me what his struggle was, and we talked a little bit. And then I told him, I said, God is raising you up, Jesse. Don't ask me why I know this. It's God's plan for Jesse to know this, and he used me to share it. I said, God's raising you up, Jesse. We've had a revival start in Melbourne and went to Metropolis, and now it's breaking over into the Duca, and God wants it in Wycliffe, and you're here, and you needed to know He's going to use you to bring it. Whatever God gives you, don't doubt it, don't question it, seek His heart, and just say it. God will bless you, you will succeed in it. And he goes, really? He got excited. He was crying too. But he was, he was overblown away by this thing. And, um, and he said, God's going to use me for this. Yes, He is. And, and he said, well, you got to really pray for me. And I said, i got no oil. You want some oil? You just want me to pray. He said, just pray. I'm already anointed. Just pray, I'm already anointed. So I prayed over him. And he said, God's going to use me, isn't he? I said, you know it, don't you? He goes, I know. I know he is. And I said, don't ever question that no. No matter what, don't question that. And God will raise you up. You start small, move into big. It is the same thing that God tells you and I here. From the keyboard, piano, musicians, to every person here. He's ready to use you and raise you up. He's already raised us up as a church, and I want us all to stand in that. If you were a casual observer of that conversation, and two people were observing it, the man's pastor and the man who invited me. If they were a casual observer, they said, you're just talking nonsense to this guy. 
foolishness. <laughs> and I, I would have to say I agree. If God's not in it, it's completely foolish. But if God's in it, it changes lives forever. And I trust that. Because you know what I mean? To preach the gospel just like He did you. So rise up. Your light is shining. Rise from the dead, O sleeper, says Isaiah. Rise up, and the Lord of light will shine on you and give you light. We are, arise, a risen church. I'm so thankful to be a part of this with you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I uh, never knew what it was like to be prosperous in your kingdom until I found out only recently, it's the one who serves the most, it's the one who prospers the most. And you'll bless that one even greater because they're willing to do with your resources what you wanted them to do. God, this isn't about Melbourne United Methodist Church. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about your hope, your plans, your determined purpose that you've already set in motion and we keep fighting against. And Heavenly Father, may we never doubt it again. From this day forward, we walk in the confidence that God, I walk and trust you alone. Every other voice, every other word that does not come from that promise, I reject. Heavenly Father, we claim today the promises in 2 Corinthians that all the promises in Jesus Christ are yes and amen. And there is no no in you, Lord. And so thank you for that. I ask you right now to receive our hearts, our minds, and our spirit. Mold, transform, and continue the work you've begun here until the day Christ comes. Amen. If our musicians would come forward for our closing song.